Good evening, and welcome to episode 17 of the Warriors of Lust podcast, which is season two, episode seven. Yes, that's right, because I'm hosting five, five? episode so five, five of season two. 12 plus five. 12 plus five. Yes, right, because the first season was 12 episodes. Uh, I would say that we should start that intro over, but nope. fuck that. That wasn't a mistake. That was me testing everyone. I have never messed anything up ever. But we've been gone for a long time, so it would be easy to forget what number. We have been gone for a long time, but we've been gone for very good reasons. I am this episode's host, the preeminent, wondrous, perfect, the insatiable Jiraku Drake. And with me, I have... Oh, am, am I to go then? Yes, I'm going <laughs> to let you this time. Oh, I'm choosing okay. to let you participate in this part this time. Yeah, last time you just introduced us without, uh, just kind of railroaded right over it. Yes, I am the enemy of innocence, the one who would never describe herself as preeminent, Callie Page. And I am, of course, the wonderful temptress of fate, Serena Hima. See, this is what I like. Serena doesn't feel the need to take jabs. She's just content to be chill and cool. Yeah, you know, if there's anything that can be said about me, it's that I never take jabs. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's totally accurate. Really? Wow. Crazy. <laughs> I feel Here. like there could be just an ounce of sarcasm in that line. I just uh, listen. I I am well known for my uh, balanced and reasonable responses to perceived slights. That's true. That's true. Hey, speaking of perceived slights, how did the league event go? Wow, that's a there's an intro. Uh, yeah, uh, it was insane. Actually, the the for those who don't know, I was able to go to World. the League of Legends World Championships uh, that were in San Francisco at the. Uh, uh, Allstate Arena. Good. No, no, that was the semifinals. They were at the. Oh, Kelly. Oh my God, it's where the Golden State Warriors play. Where do they play? <laughs> this is embarrassing. I was just you there. Be that the Chase Center. Thank God. It is for those who are just tuning in right now. Well. You tuned it at the beginning, but it is uh, 9.08 p.m. on what has been a very long day, and we are, uh, we're going to get there. Like, we just need to, like, get back into the swing of it, but we're going to get there. The League of Legends World Championships were absolutely incredible. I got to see one of the greatest finals in the history of Competitive League, uh, and I'm not just saying that because I was there. I mean, that helps that I was there. But actually, a reverse sweep, the first time it's ever gone to five games, an underdog team coming back to win it. It was a really amazing show. Also, there were holograms in the pre-show, which was super cool and awesome. And Lil Nas X was there, and he performed. And he also said that he would use what uh, sway he had left with Riot to get us a trans character in League of Legends. So, I mean, it was an all-around great day. But, that sounds um, like... Wow, that's actually a lot better than I expected it would have done. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, it went really, really well. Uh, I can now, I guess, kind of make my official announcement here that I have accepted a position as the editor-in-chief of Esports Illustrated. And I am, uh, if you're, 
uh, an esports fan and you're into League of Legends, Valorant, Call of Duty, Apex, those types of games, make sure you uh, keep an eye out for Esports Illustrated, which will be uh, launching officially in early 2023. Enough cross-promoing. Can't, can't get caught up in doing that too much. So, uh, But yeah, I am excited because uh, next week I get to go to see the Game Awards, which should be a fun time. I know that you said enough cross-promoing, but I do want to say really quick, uh, I did, before I started telling people that congratulations on your position, I did actually look up to see if it was public, and I read your article about game development, and I found that to be very well written. Thank you. Uh, That's a piece I've been wanting to write for a number of years, and right now the nice thing is, you know, because the site's just starting to come online, we're just kind of posting articles about what's interesting to us, and uh, felt like a good time to put that piece out there and uh yeah i uh, i wrote a uh a lengthy piece i would say i think it's just under 2500 words on uh, uh game development and how it's not sustainable and some of the ugly things that lay in the future of it if we don't try to right the ship so uh it's a piece i hope you'll all enjoy and uh yeah feel free to check it out it's at esi.si.com hell yeah so while you were accomplishing great things serena what were you up to i got married well look at that (laughs) congratulations how do you feel um all right better (laughs) (laughs) i have like i would like to say there is this stress yeah like i know cal you could probably like you probably understand like there's just all this stress has just like been like released off of my shoulders yes um Uh, after uh, after the wedding is over and you've you've gotten it done, you've finished the ceremony, there is a like it's weird because you feel better because there's not much stress, but at the same time, it doesn't really feel any different. I would like to say I definitely um there's all the stress was relieved, and then the day after my wedding, I cut all my hair off. <gasps> oh <laughs> get it, girl. I'm actually serious. I literally my hair came down to between my shoulders and I the underside of it right now is at like a four. Wow. Um, and I have I have longer pieces. I promise there's longer pieces. There well, yeah, too. for sure. Right, listen, you could I, cut it short. It would still look amazing. I mean, I've shaved my hair off before down oh to God. a two in like 2020. <gasps> so 2020 to my wedding, I grew my hair out because yeah. I wanted wedding hair. Like I wanted like dolled up. It sounds bad, but I wanted it all no, dolled I, up. I get it. I grew my hair out too. <laughs> Absolutely. I've never heard around. the term <laughs> wedding hair before. <laughs> like so like, You haven't gotten you were, married yet. You haven't gotten married, but like Okay, fair. My entire life I wanted long a gorgeous updo, and that's what I had to grow my hair out for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so I did that and then the day afterwards I was like, What if I just do this? And he was like, Why don't we just go to the hairdressers? And I was like, All right, pick a haircut. He's like, I liked this one. And I was like, All right, and we went and chopped off a bunch of hair of mine. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> you, uh, is, uh, let me ask, have you dropped a that's my husband yet? Or has he dropped a that's my wife yet? I um I have said that's my husband a few times. There you go. There you um, go. But he started a new position. Oh. And I went and visited him and people were like, oh, da 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 da. And I was like, yeah, that's my husband. And they're like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> John Mulaney does a great bit on that. How how good it feels. Like how much better it feels to be able to say, that's my wife. Uh, yes. He, he definitely goes around going, my wife. <laughs> and I, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you do like the disgusting, like Mr. and Mrs. thing? 
we did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like when we were on our honeymoon, he was like, there "Hello, Mrs. Hema." Yeah. I was like, "Hello." <laughs> I hope he actually said Hema. No, you know. <laughs> I feel like that would be a little bit weird if he had. <laughs> if he had, yes, I know. Like, honey, we're we can't role play Final Fantasy fourteen anymore. <laughs> Not right now. No, thank you. Please. <laughs> I understand. Unfortunately, you also got a little uh under the weather. I did get sick. That is, uh, if you're wondering, that is why we uh, had to miss our last recording date. So I know it has been a minute since everyone has heard us speaking. I know. You guys missed us. I know. I missed us. It's so good to be back. Uh, yes. I feel so bad it was me because I could not go without coughing. And I, you don't want to hear that. No, you no. Hear I, my lungs. Yeah. No, it gets to a point where you just, you can't go. Well, it's that. And it's also, I would feel really bad if you ended up taking longer to get better and or getting worse because you recorded with us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be less than ideal. No need to feel bad about it. It's okay. These things happen. Sometimes to me. These delays allow us to ensure that one of us will have the sexy character to pick for the thirst down when we get to the next uh, patch. So, you know. Yeah. You know, so like. (laughs) Jiraku got (laughs) the freebie last time. That's true. I forgot about that. If we think about it, Callie, won't you have the episode for the patch? Um, let's see. Because uh, I'm next, which is in two weeks. Which would be in two weeks, but it won't be in two weeks, actually, because I will be traveling, so it'll be in three weeks. Okay. Uh, We're so not the even ten minutes into my second episode, and everyone's already like, all right, yeah, no. fucking... Please get us away from Jiraku's tyranny. <laughs> well, at least I got to introduce myself this time, but oh. I, you did introduce me extremely nicely last time, so I was okay with it. Oh, no. No, no. What? This is this is terrible. Will be Jiraku again? It will be, because you'll be the 22nd, I'll be the 5th, and Jiraku will be the 19th, which would be that's, the first that's, episode after the new patch. That's okay, because we'll probably have to wait, because Jiraku probably won't have played it yet. That's you know what? That's How dare true. you? <laughs> How dare you? This time I will be responsible and play it in a timely manner. Jiraku, does it not feel great to sit in the host chair and just be treated like a pincushion? I mean, I guess this is just what I do every week. It absolutely is. You when you sit in the host chair, you are a pinata. Now drop me some candy, bitch. Yeah. I like Twix. <laughs> I'll bet you do, Serena. <laughs> Serena, okay, important question then. Left yes. Twix or right Twix? I don't care. I go both ways. <laughs> that God can we it. just can someone please clip that out of just have that line? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 So my week, weeks, month, month, my oh, November. Month. I had a birthday. I don't want to make the biggest deal out of it. Because after a certain point, that's okay. As much as I would love to hear your lovely singing voice, the less I have to think about the fact that I had a birthday, the better. Exactly. So we won't we won't ask how old then. That's correct. How old are you? Are you, <laughs> so are you younger or older than me? I am. I have officially hit the age where I would like to continue to forever be the same age. Oh, and crap. I hit that like eight years ago. 
Yeah. Well, there we are. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Well, that's right. So, Y'all are both younger than me then. I just so know I'm while... the youngest. I think yeah. you are, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so all right Draco. Was... Greater or less than thirty-three. So while I was oh, uh, no! not, not here. I'm the middle child. Well while we were not here, I uh I had I entered a fugue state for a good week and a half, two weeks. And when I came out of it, I had played another 500 hours of RimWorld. Oh, no. Which I had not expected or planned for. Uh-huh. And when I came out of that state, I had the realization that I have everything I need. The inspiration, the time, the availability. I'm going to finally stop fucking around and finish my first novel. Hey, that's so cool. I'm so jealous. I oh my I'm gosh. So I'm so happy it. for you. I I would be like, hello, I would like to buy this book. Yeah. Yo, <laughs> I love it. I've been trying to like I write so many short stories and I'm trying to get them collected into something that I could release as a book at some point. And the idea of doing a novel is so intimidating uh it is i think it's awesome that you're you're gonna sit down and and work on that Mm -hmm. thank you uh i i have learned in the past that saying too much about writing projects that i'm working on is the death knell because it triggers that part of your brain that says i've already told this story i'm done moving on oh it's so true but what i will share with all of you is that there are two things that really pushed me to make the decision of like fuck it i'm writing this thing now okay the first was the realization that god damn it there is not enough vampire fiction in the world yet oh i'm oh and the second (laughs) serena one sec serena what was that noise you just made (laughs) explain the explain the sound that came out of your mouth hole it it was it was it was an oh just, oh, O-H-O. Was that a, a, but was that an O of, oh my God, yes, we need more, or a thing of, oh, have you not, like, opened your no. eyes ever? No, oh my God, we need more. Okay, just checking. It was forever. <laughs> forever need more. Holly, if I went to the store, if I went to a bookstore, and yeah. I walked into a fucking full-ass Barnes & Noble-sized bookstore, yeah. and every single book in there was about vampires, that would not be enough books about vampires. There needs to be more. Do you know how many like books about werewolves there are? Like, We need enough books about vampires. So, like, you know. Yeah, we gotta even it out. We gotta yeah, even you know it out, because vampires are always seen as the bad guy. It's, it's like a girl's I, kissing. If I, just, as long as there's another book, I'm good to go. Exactly. Which, unfortunately, I watch a lot of anime, and there's none of that shit. Mm-hmm. And the other half of it was, I had a very long, um, I'm going to use the word argument. It's a little bit of a strong word, but it's just strong enough to really cover it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with a friend about comments that were made regarding Final Fantasy 16. And it led to a whole lot of differing branching tangents. Yeah. One of which was, I am so fucking sick of people using the term medieval fantasy, Blech. Western fantasy, Blech. any of these things that all of them, when they're used, mean 
a very specific fantasized version of southeastern British Brit Britain Britain mm -hmm. and northwestern France. Yeah, it's like did William the Conqueror step foot there? Then that is all that exists in this whole field of well if it's medieval fantasy it has to only be this but also the elements that we like from elsewhere but none of the elements we don't like right for, for given the and name I'm, william the conqueror he didn't actually conquer that much eh, yeah basically he did all right but i mean like not like you know like you got like alexander the great now that guy conquered I, some shit that guy was pretty great though <laughs> uh, yeah he was all right mm-hmm He's called William the Conqueror because uh, the language we speak is English. <laughs> you, you know what? That's, that's fair. <laughs> that, is, that, that is fair. You're right. Um, but right. So I was going to say, uh, so I decided that one thing that is desperately, desperately, desperately missing from these is portrayals of a fantasy version of i'm going to use the term medieval even though i want to point out that the actual time frame that i that i'm pulling from is about a thousand five hundred year period of spain ah oh because if you look at spain pre-reconquista that is one hell of a melting pot a blender of different cultures and architectural styles and all kinds of fascinating shit and you never fucking see it ever you don't have fantasy video game number 30 where there is anything like that the closest thing i can think up off the top of my head to that which it, this this is meant to illustrate how extremely far away we come from that is that i guess you could say rosaria is a little bit moorish spain from final fantasy 12 yeah you could. Uh, and I mean, like, obviously, we just had the the big uh, hullabaloo in the Final Fantasy community over some uh, <clears throat> uh, opinions on uh, the setting and uh, how that uh, pertains to people of color appearing in the story. And, uh, well, listen, I, uh, I said my piece on that on Twitter. I made myself very clear how I stand uh, on that. I don't know if uh, you've ever looked at any medieval artwork before, but... Uh, there do be black people there. Mm-hmm. So um it's fine. You you can you 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 can you can just have black people there. I mean you might, you've literally got be. you've you've got a carbuncle running around. So I mean I think you can make regular ass people fit in your setting somehow, probably. Mm -hmm. That that might be specifically why I chose Spain. In fact, I, I, I would say that's a, a, a good call, because like you say, when you call it a melting pot, <clears throat> it, it, it sure is. That is mm -hmm. what Spain was. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, yes. less so after certain things happened. Uh, listen, the Inquisition was a bad day for a lot of people. Anyway, that was a sad day. I'm sorry for that, everybody. I was, I, I was thinking about how hard I wanted to go, and I decided to not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we'll move right past that. <laughs> I'll just like to say I'm so proud of both of you and I'm so excited for both of you. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I will be preparing for writing this novel by marathoning an absolute shit ton of vampire media, which I was going to start that marathon about three days ago. And then I remembered that we're recording 
this right now today. And that if I had started it three days ago, uh, no one, no one would hear from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would, you would get a message from me in about five days saying, all right, I'm ready to record in two days. <laughs> and we'd be like, well, I'm out of town, so I'll see you when I get back. But yeah. Yes. And so that is why I waited. And along last thing on that topic, uh, big shout out to Shiki TMNS and Kodama Boy, who have a track called Vampire. That is the thing that got into my brain under my skin and made me do this. So thank you. The song is pretty good. Uh, it's I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to absolutely everyone. I mean, if you don't like hip hop, you're not going to like it outright. And it's some nerd shit. But for whatever reason, it just fucking clung to me. And I have had it on repeat for several days. And it's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. All so right. hooray, inspiration fuel. Well, well now, done, Shiki. Thank you. Yes. And Kodama Boy. They, mm-hmm. Man, they are so good together. They've done two songs together but you know what else is good together this show and the thirst down bam segue what a segue what a, what a segue. segue fucking Segways totally natural not forced at all mm-hmm. Callie. Segue? okay <laughs> cali we have not done that segue because if we had then that would be a mistake on my part to do it mm-hmm. again and i've never made mistakes right of course mm-hmm. uh for all those right of you for those of you who are first time listening first off you're welcome um, second, we go out of our way every episode to elect to the vaunted halls of the Thirst Down, the most thirst-worthy characters in Final Fantasy XIV, which is what we are about, not vampires for now. Although there, I think there have been some vampires that have made this list. Yes. Are there more than one? Okay, so maybe just the one, but just there has the been I mean, at least a vampire on this list. Zero has vampire energy, so I guess I would grant that. They do. Um, and Hesperus was on episode 13. Yep, Hesperus, yep. I picked him. <laughs> oh. And no one was surprised. <laughs> Never should be. The only surprise was you got to him first. Exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> He's a very handsome man. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, my humble submission to the Thirst Down this week. Uh, we don't put enough villains on here, I feel like, sometimes, especially not just vi- villains that aren't just, like, a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So my su- uh, submission this week is the Cloud of Darkness, who takes us all the way back to the Crystal Tower, circa, what was that, 2.2, I believe, something like that. Uh, what, uh, you don't see her 50? until 2.4 well you're right technically her you don't see until 2.4 so yes crystal tower uh we'll fire up the Wayback machine and and check it out uh wow that's the oldest reference i've ever made jesus uh anyway i picked cloud of darkness because and this is the only reason oh yeah no i got two other reasons too uh right below her chin uh, and this character is the only character i know of in final fantasy 14 that canonly the warrior of light thinks is hot mm-hmm. that is know, not true and i know that because when we go well you know what <laughs> that might be the case for the same reason as when we go into eden and we are forced to remember 
what the cloud of darkness looks like in E9. Well, we remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we remember the uh, cloud of darkness a little differently than she appeared in the world of darkness. Uh, we remember her more like she's a character in Bible Black. <laughs> now, I would like to point out, uh, I agree with that assessment. Uh, my question is, are you submitting the cloud of darkness as we fought her or the cloud of darkness as we remembered her? Uh, I am submitting E9 cloud of darkness and her womb tattoo. Okay, fair. I don't know for a fact that she has one, but I'm 99% <laughs> certain. You know for a fact. Come on now. Uh, yeah, exactly. The warrior of and, light has a taste. And I mean, I want to point out also, you said you only had two other reasons, but there's also the corruption. Let's not uh, you pretend know, that's not a factor here. You know what? I don't know when we're going to do corruption as our uh, kink of the week, but uh, it is one of my favorites. We'll just have it be a whole episode. Oh, please. It'll it'll break the containment on kink of the week and just be the entire episode. <laughs> uh, we'll yes. just tell it Warriors of Less podcast episode, blah, blah, blah. This one's about <laughs> corruption. <laughs> episode, episode 19, the Mind Breakathon. Mind Breakathon. All right. Oh. I got the Cloud of Darkness, so my humble submission. Well, I think that that's a perfectly good one. Oh, I was going to say, as far as your logic, uh, we also clearly think that Beard is hot. Ramu. Oh, indeed. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we also think he's an ATV. No, sorry, that was Titan, wasn't it's it? Titan. We Titan. think he's a horse man. He's a he's a horse man. Oh yeah, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Centaur. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> horse man. Horse man. <laughs> that's what I want to be. A horse man. <laughs> Callie, do you think that everything that you ride around on is the same? <laughs> Uh, no, I think uh, I think there are uh, ATVs, and I think there are uh, unicycles and horseman. Horseman. Okay. So, were you assigned ATV or horse at birth? <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I was I was assigned cloud of darkness at birth. <laughs> Fair. 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 Serena. <laughs> Serena. <laughs> Your entry for the first down this week. Okay, so <laughs> let me read. We gotta stop laughing, Drock. Oh, it'll set me off. All right, my uh, did you submission- say it'll get you off? No, it'll set me off. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, what kick is that? I guess humiliation. Oh, I'm sorry. This one's come off the rails. That was my fault. Nobody's coming on those rails. Right? We're keep going. The true third rail. That was my nickname in college. Five points if you make Serena Peer pants on stream. <laughs> Give her hair like sympathetic pukers. I'm a sympathetic laugher. You start laughing, I'm laughing. Oh, there's tears in my eyes, y'all. I'm so sorry. 
Oh, okay. I'm, I'm sweating. <laughs> I miss this show. Okay. All right. All right. We're back. back. We're good. I'm back. So my submission this week for the Thirst Down is um, I thought about it based off a friend I visited recently because it was her birthday. And it's her favorite character. So I'd love to submit to you all Harshafont. Mal, I want it noted right now that I didn't say it. <laughs> Sorry. Why? 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 Don't. Uh, uh, we, uh, there is someone in my community who uh, is a known Orshavant aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally, not often, but occasionally, I will play drops that may be lines directly preceding his demise. <laughs> <clears throat> Now, uh, I, this is, it's been so long since we've been here, mm -hmm. and we're already so far off the rails. That's true. Oh, yeah. So what I'm not going to do is go on and on about my true feelings about Harsh Font. And I yes. am instead going to say, what a lovely submission, Serena. I'm Thank so happy you. for that. All right, wait, 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 hold up. I'm so you hate Elizin. I know he does. Ishgard. <laughs> yep. There, there <laughs> are Elizin that I don't hate. Can I can I pose a theory? I'd like to, please. Oh, yeah, I would let's like to, I'd like to pose a theory that you're a fan of Orshavant because he dies. And uh, no, actually. No. I'm not even a fan of him for that. Oh. Is it his hot chocolate? Uh he a is smile. to me the greatest suits. flaw in the narrative of Evans word. Oh no. All right. Well, anyways. Um so <laughs> Wow, the story has to stop when he dies, but when <laughs> and it's like a ten quest bit period of mourning, of just focused on mourning Harshfont, and then like two hours later, Isail dies, and it's not thirty <laughs> seconds before we're on a joke quest line. Oh, you know oh, what? Yeah. I'll 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 and grant that you that. Correct contrast existing is to me the greatest flaw in the narrative of Heaven's. Yeah, it does kind of make the scene at the end uh, when you beat Nidhogg kind of like where they both show up to help you and you're like, mm, yeah, there was one of you that got some camera time and one of you that did not. Yeah. Yes. Now, I will but... say in defense of Ysail, no, I can't even say that because like she had way more time to build up as a character we liked oh, yeah. than, than he did. And yeah, no, she she just she just died she and then we, then we had to go... On. Hang out and was that's right before we go to Azaslaw, right? She dies at Azaslaw when we yeah. first get there, um, and then we immediately have the big fun campy cartoon. Wow, whoa, whoa, whoa! We gotta find the, the drone, Gilly. Oh God! Oh yeah. Like, yeah, you know what? They didn't. They didn't. They they did my girl dirty. They did do her dirty. And for that reason, I do not like harsh font, but. I will not say that he does not belong on this list. I mean, so well done, Serena. He do he do be a snack, no matter how you look he at do. it. I my reasoning for him was he makes a mean hot cocoa, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he literally died for us. He did. He, he did. <laughs> you hard to debate otherwise. <laughs> so I I I they will did a whole raid otherwise. about it. Mm -hmm. I will debate otherwise. You you will. Yeah, he didn't die for us. He, he literally Have pushed you, gone back you out of the way and took the hit. He just... 
<laughs> it wouldn't have hit if he didn't do that. Oh, yeah, the angling was a, a little down, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, the reason for that is because the cutscene direction has to take into account that you could have been playing a Rugadin or a Lalafell. Right. Uh, but I choose to believe that he pointlessly sacrificed himself to mm-hmm. eat a shot that would have missed us. Oh, God. Because <laughs> that makes me laugh. Low intelligence, Archifant. It would be in character. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Mal, I'm I'm sorry. I did not I did not expect an assassination of Orshifant on here. Not another one. Fight me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. Well, Jiraku, who do you have for us? Since this is your show today, it, it is for today, for today, and probably never again after all this shit I've been talking. Um, my pick for the thirst down this week. I so ordinarily. When I pick characters for the thirst down, I view the thirst down as a good medium for bringing people's attention to characters that I think go underappreciated. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when I was thinking about who I was going to pick for this week, it occurred to me that there's a character that I have been sitting on all this time that I cannot believe no one has picked. And I went and I checked and I checked. I looked through all of our lists. Sure enough, no one has picked Yugiri yet. What? How has yeah. no one picked Yugiri yet? N- no one's None picked Yugiri Mistwalker. No one <laughs> has picked Yugiri Mistwalker. That can't be right. Now, everyone knows who Yugiri is. Yes. But yeah. not everyone is fully aware of why she belongs on this list, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you'll tell us. Yes. yes, you're correct. And the reason is because on top of all of the obvious, uh, ninja girls are hot. Ninja girls are kinky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Al Ra just in general tend to be pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And boy, would she be able to do anything you told her. But there's <laughs> also the important fact that there is not enough Yugiri art. No. And I need there to be more. So everyone who's listening, please do your due diligence. Do your uh, do something for the community. I urge you, I beseech you to go out and either make or commission art of Yugiri, preferably with Shibari, but I'm not picky. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, not well, I'm, at all. I'm sure I'm sure Darling will uh, put out a post requesting uh, requesting all the Yugiri art possible for uh, for Mr. Drake. It was my birthday. Uh, well, then obviously it was sure. my birthday. We'll, uh, we'll make sure that that, uh, that darling gets on that. But that's totally how that works. Yep. Mm-hmm. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at uh, WOLCastXIV. Uh, and if you uh, chat with us on there, you'll get to meet uh, our social media submissive darling. We yes. love darling. We do love darling. Even though I know right now she's probably freaking out just hearing that. I think just hearing her name from our mouth, she freaks out. So <laughs> That's how we generate passwords for the website. Don't tell anyone. I know. <laughs> we will get to praise King later in this episode. <laughs> uh, oh, we should have had. I mean, I know she wouldn't do it, but we should have had Darling on for it. Mm. That's true. Oh, well. Now, for this episode, we have something very special that I'm going to educate everyone in the community on. And it will be our initial discussion before we move right into our second how-to writing lesson. Ooh. 
I don't necessarily suspect that this discussion is going to take terribly long because I'm so incredibly right that there will probably not be much room for argument. But I'm willing to hear counterpoints out if they are made. Okay. So I am going to stand on my soapbox and I'm going to ask, why does Yoshi P underestimate what doms are capable of? Uh, um. <laughs> All right. I'll bite. Explain. Please. Now, Yoshi P has gone on record on interviews time and time again, espousing a point of view that I find to be reprehensible and short sighted, and I would say cowardly, even. And it doesn't so involve say that it doesn't involve equality and representation in FF16. Oh, everyone's already nailed that one to the okay, wall. Okay, just checking. No one needs me to add to that. Come on now. No, this is about how Yoshi P believes that Doms should not be pressured to do a good job. Uh and I personally want to hold him accountable for that statement. Now, you may be confused because you don't fundamentally understand what exactly the full implications of what he's saying are. See, I'm reading between the lines on his statements, and that's why I'm able to get this, because what he's actually saying is a very subtle message. Uh-huh. And it takes the, and the, the, the over message, the thing that everyone else sees, that they don't hear what i hear the me the coded message and what he's saying the secret the inf the inferred meaning the actual thing he says is healing needs to be made easier healing needs to be made easier now you may be wondering what does that have to do with doms i i you you're you know what Draco? you're correct me. i was you you tell me when you have a relationship where one person's job is to go forward and take one hell of a beating, and the other one's job is to tell them that they're doing a great job and make them feel better afterwards. <laughs> I want you to tell me who's the dom in that relationship. <laughs> it sure as fuck isn't the tank. Ah, okay. Uh, so, uh, well, I mean, I feel like it's kind of um, depends on what kind of dom you are, right? Because, like, uh, you're right. Healer is definitely a mommy dom. I see no circumstance under which the person running ahead and getting the ever-loving shit kicked out of them can be anything but the sub in this situation. I, okay. Oh, I don't want to say this out loud. Say it out loud. I don't want to. Say it. I out really loud. don't want to say it out loud. Callie is here weighing whether she values her dignity or being correct. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'll say it. What if you whisper it? Ah, uh, no, I'll I'll say it. <laughs> Drucker, you're absolutely right. <laughs> oh, listen to that. Oh, no, you're right. Uh, there, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I saw a a, a great post uh, earlier today talking about subs and doms, and it's like you know, people need to like realize about the sub dom relationship. That while everyone thinks it is the dom pushing their sub and bringing them to the very limits of their boundaries, 
There is a significant portion of the time where the sub is sitting there saying, I've got an ass made of leather and I can take whatever you can dish out. Mm-hmm. And correct. half the time, the Dom is terrified. Also correct. And that is, I think, the, the, the healer-tank relationship. I'll also yeah. point out that tank does not have rescue. Tank does not have rescue. That Yoshi P came down and gave one roll a leash that they can <laughs> yank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Yoshi P, I ask you, why are you such a coward? Why do you underestimate what Doms are capable of? Oh, you know what? Fair point. I uh, hard to argue with. Uh, I think healers uh, in this game. First of all, I don't think their jobs are too hard. I don't think healing's easy by any stretch of the imagination, but I also don't think, like, I guess if you're going to compare it to tank, which is the most brain-dead role in this game, yeah, like, it's way harder than that, but, yeah. No, I I think, listen, Dom's Unite. <laughs> I hate you, Jirok. We, we need that on a shirt, and oh, it's just a picture of a healing cane. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's what it is. White mage canes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a white mage cane. That's 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 what it is. That's what I told <laughs> airport security. Yeah, exactly. That's for you know. So, oh boy. Okay. All right. So now that no one was able to say anything to prove me wrong, no, that, listen. No, when, I really. When you write, you right. Because I'm so completely right, and that's been established. Let's move on to our second how-to writing lesson. On that note, I've got a collar at my desk, and I'm going to put it on. <laughs> I literally was like, uh, healers have rescue. I was like, I have been yanked by rescue. Yep. A I, few listen, times. I am uh, you know, embracing my rescue. inner tank right now. <laughs> you don't have to be a tank, actually. There's There's someone everywhere, you know. Oh, yeah. Like a black mage on their lands. <laughs> <laughs> oh. If you think about it, really, doesn't that just mean that black mages using between the lines to go back to it, isn't that just kind of akin to like choking yourself? Yeah, that that's oh, definitely auto erotic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black mages are just auto erotic asphyxiation embodied. Yeah. Right? That's yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I gotta say if they're correct. Were, one of these episodes, we have to do what is the kink that is most associated with given job? Oh, with each job. Oh, hey, like write that, that down. That, that's going. I'm putting that in our chat right now. We're doing that next episode. Okay. Cool. Uh, that's Excellent. my episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm Good news. Start, one of your gonna, one of your segments is figured out. I'm gonna start writing things. Okay. <laughs> which kink to which job? Got it. All right. See, I'm so full of great ideas that they overflow into episodes that I'm not even overwatching. Truly, you bring us a bounty of gifts. Truly. I'm so generous. (laughs) So benevolent. That's a better word for it. Good work. Thank you. I've been trying. Now, our (laughs) Our second how-to writing lesson is a... I'm going to go ahead and say that it's a two-parter, even though it's kind of more two concepts. And it is the shitty draft hypothesis that we discussed in the first part put into practice and why TV tropes ruin society. (laughs) 
Okay. I actually I actually do tend to agree with that one. Fair enough. Go ahead. TV Tropes agrees with that one also. Yeah, they sure do. So, you're preparing to write your writing project. You have your outline. Congratulations. And now you need that rough draft. Mm-hmm. Now, I talked last time about the shitty draft hypothesis, but if you missed that conversation, I forgive you. Um, as a very brief summary, uh, the shitty draft hypothesis boils down to um, it is my patented way for actually getting writing when you don't know what, like how am I going to get writing out, right? So everyone has their own approach to getting your rough draft out to begin with, like getting it going at all, right? Because with this kind of thing, it's about momentum, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And Callie, feel free to offer if you have insights that contradict mine or you have things that you feel you can add. And Serena, please do ask any questions you have. Yeah, uh, and yeah, no, I, I agree. I think uh, momentum is a uh, big thing. It's You have to get the ball rolling and get it started because staring at the blank page is absolutely brutal. Yes, there is. there are few things more withering than the gaze of a blank page. Ooh, that, that should be on a t-shirt. It should. I'm going to get that tattooed on... <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Now, as flattering as it would be, I would have to issue a cease and dismiss. <laughs> Wait, that's not what that's called. No, a cease and I, dismiss. I, I did. I did that. I did that on purpose so that oh, you yeah. would. I was checking if you were paying attention. Yeah, that's that's right up there with a cease and swiss miss, which is a little different as well. Hmm. Oh right, that's like a creamer thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Right, or isn't it hot chocolate? I don't know. So what? 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 Swiss, Swiss Miss, isn't that hot chocolate? Swiss Miss? Swiss Miss, yeah. There's a, there's a miss in it? Yeah, well, there is there is Swiss chocolate, obviously, but yeah, the Swiss Miss is a brand. There's a miss in it? I'm having a, I'm having a moment. I what did you think it was, it was? I just thought it was Swiss. Well, it might be, like, you might be getting Swiss hot chocolate, but it's... No, it's, it's Swiss Miss. I looked it up <laughs> okay. just now. So wait, so you actually you consumed this brand, you just didn't know it was called Swiss Miss until no, I said I, something. I thought it was just Swiss. I was like, oh, Swiss hot chocolate. I like this. I want you to know right now there is a uh advertiser who is just crying. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I don't have a TV anyway, so they could cry some more. <laughs> oh, I don't have cable, so I don't see get commercials. Yeah, because you never see any advertisements anywhere else. No, I I not really hey, have an appropriately strong ad blocker. Hey, you know what? Yeah. That helps. That I get a help. lot of video game ads. <laughs> Not a lot of hot chocolate ads. <laughs> Can I say how disappointed I am right now that we're talking about the shitty draft hypothesis? Because when I was reading the this uh, thing over earlier, I read it as shitty draft hypnosis, and I was like, well, I'm into that. But do you, are you into the shitty hypnosis? <laughs> I feel like that's uh, just like implying yeah. that they're just not into it. They're just like, boy, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fucking do what I tell you. Oh, boy. I hope they're talking about quality and not the other thing. That's definitely what we're talking about. <sighs> so. Momentum is the biggest factor in my experience with not being able to fill up a page. And that means that the shitty draft hypothesis is your answer. So all you have to do 
all you have to do is as far as just beginning the rough draft, um, and I use a digital word processor. This does not work as well if you write by hand, but I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. Use a computer. Use a keyboard. Come on now. Um, you take your outline that you wrote as part our as our first discussion, and you copy-paste that shit into a document, and then you write over it, and you find a song or something of that nature that fits the mood that you're going for. Mm. Um, if you want to write to Coed and Cambria, for instance, that wouldn't just be a song. That'd be just like fucking loop the entire band's discography. It's all that kind of mood. That, that's but interesting. Whatever. I use that for specifically character development. I find songs that are fitting of the character and listen to that while I'm writing for them, but not usually just for like writing like dialogue or, or story uh, for them. But when I'm just doing the character development, I usually use a lot of music for that. And that's a good time for that too. Music can be really good just to pull from in general, mm-hmm. but I really like it for the purposes of the shitty draft hypothesis because Part of, to me anyway, overcoming that momentum, overcoming the inertia of just sitting still and not writing is losing track of the time, in a sense. Mm -hmm. If you're sitting there and you're aware that you've been staring at the blank screen for five minutes and now you've been staring at it for six minutes, etc., that makes it tough. But being able to use music, especially if it's something that you're either putting on shuffle or putting on loop, so you don't know how long it's been, right? Um, It helps with the pulling yourself out of the world where you are a person staring at a white nothingness. Yeah. And instead, you are writing. And I mean, sometimes it's easier to write than that. Sometimes it's not. This is mostly advice for if you are having trouble beginning in the first place, right? Yeah. And I, I think for, from my perspective, it I use this for literally everything because I hate outlining. I hate uh, trying to like plan out details of the story that are far, far in advance because I am a very impatient writer. And if I have those details planned out far in advance, I will just pass the story too quickly to get to those really cool moments that I want to write about. Um, so I am very much of the mind of like, just start writing and let cool things happen as they happen. And this actually is a great part of this. This problem that you describe is part of the reason why I developed and use the shitty draft hypothesis method, mm-hmm. because if you really, really, really are excited for a part of the story that is like the last third of a book. Right. Just fill the entire draft before that with um, filler. You can just do filler. You can just go, all right, if if you've planned out, you're going to structure it. This is going to be a 20 chapter book, right? Right. And what you want to do is in chapter 19. What you do is you fucking write out the sections that are like you have your outline read out and if you i mean if you if the trouble is writing the outline in the first place i mean we kind of touched on that before but basically the idea is you fill everything up to that and you can come back to do the things that it's so much easier to write over a skeleton than a void that is true uh like if you tell me I need uh you know four chapters before this that is 
so brutal, but fleshing out pieces that are already there or looking at something and going, actually, this doesn't make sense, erase and put something new over it. It does feel less intimidating for some reason. Yes. Well, it's because the it's again, I really believe I really do believe that a lot of the difficulty in writing comes down to momentum. It is really difficult to start. It is really difficult to get moving. Mm-hmm. And then once you've got that move, once you've got moving, it's not really that hard. And that's why uh, another method that I use actually works. Uh, this is my it works in 80 percent of emergency scenarios where it's I absolutely positively have to write this thing no matter what I do. Um, I usually only break it out in dire circumstances, and it is the I can't think of anything method. Okay, well, that's my problem all the time. So what's that method? So this is better for people that need pressure in order to deliver. If you're the kind of person where you find, excuse me, where you find you need a deadline in order to write anything um, and you're trying to write something that doesn't have a deadline or the deadline isn't Anytime it's not soon enough to trigger mm-hmm. that kind of like survival mode. I have to get this done. The I can't think of anything method. This is something I learned in, I want to say second grade. You take your document, you take your page, you take whatever, and you just write over and over and over the sentence. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. And you do it over and over. And then what you do is as you are writing it, when you feel the need to change what you're saying, you can do that um, and alter it. So it's, I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. I have no idea what I'm doing. Why am I writing this over and over? Why am I writing this over and over? Da, 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 da. And then what I find, and I've known a lot of other people this works for as well, is eventually your brain hits a point where it goes, okay, I'm trapped here if I don't do this. So fuck it. I'm just going to start writing the thing that I'm actually supposed to be writing. That's crazy. I've actually been doing that by accident for a long time. Uh, but for me, it is called the Cali, you are a fucking hack uh, method because I start writing very mean things to myself when I can't get anything onto the blank page until my brain sparks an idea for something. Well, you could do that too. I like mine because it's uh, less self-damaging. <laughs> yep, I'd but... agree with that. I think yours is definitely a healthier way to go about it. I If I... I did have to write something recently, but when I couldn't think of anything to write, I literally was just writing what I was saying out to myself. Like, why am I not thinking of anything? What are you doing? How can we stop this? What is going on? Mm-hmm. There you go. And I'm, like, I'm like, oh, here I go. Hey, hey, I'm back now. So let me ask you. Uh, so that's a solution if, you know, you need to get something written and it doesn't have a deadline. What if you are someone who uh, writes stuff as a way of putting off doing other things. Not that I'm speaking for anyone here who would ever do that, of course. Well, if you're using writing as a way to put off other things that are more important, um, the key problem with that is that I struggle to imagine things that are more important than writing because I am pretentious sometimes. Amen. A little bit. You know Big what? secret. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting that on a t-shirt. If you're writing and you're having trouble not writing, then please, keep writing. by all means, switch places with me. That's the problem I'd <laughs> yeah. like to have. Yeah. Well, that's that's my life. I uh, 
the other day, I collected all my stories that I've written for my character Rosalind in one of my D&D games. I have 29 of those motherfuckers now. And Jesus. I have written her 29 stories in 40 sessions. Wow. Like, that is impressive. I've almost got a novel written for her. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And yet you're over here going, I can't write a novel. I, I, I didn't think I could. Well, it would be a novel that jumps all over the fucking place. But yeah, uh, I do have about 29 stories for her now. If I could, I would give you like young Serena's writing wants. Mm-hmm. I, I used to write instead of taking notes. I can't. So I looked like I was taking notes. <laughs> it's crazy because I, I like I, I hated writing. Like I hated English class. I mm-hmm. hated creative writing. I hated all of that stuff in high school. I didn't discover a love for it until college. I wrote fan fiction. Uh, that'll do it. <laughs> that would do it. So. Uh, all right. Oh, right. Sorry. No, I, I was just dwelling on what the world would be like if I had that issue instead of the <laughs> other ones. <laughs> it do be like that sometimes. It do be like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, another problem that I run into sometimes, and I know other people also struggle with, is the I keep getting sidetracked because I'm looking for info for this story. Oh, <laughs> The uh, the if anyone if the FBI is looking at my search history, they're going to be so confused. Problem. Yes, exactly I'm... that. I had so... a story that I wrote where I had like within the span of uh, like ten minutes, I added in how many people graduate from Northwestern every year. What color cars did the '95 Corvette come in? And one other question, completely unrelated. I'm like, if anyone's looking at my search history, they just got to be so fucking confused. Yes. That is the nature of writing sometimes. However, I have a solution to that problem for you. It's called the shitty draft hypothesis. (laughs) So what you do is when you're doing your first draft, when you're doing that shitty first draft, which is the whole point of the draft, you don't stop for fucking anything. And if you find yourself going, well, I need to stop to look up detail. You Almost certainly don't, actually, because the overwhelming majority of things that people look look up, you were talking about like graduation numbers, yeah. right? Is that immediately relevant to the plot, though? Jiraku, I have a I have a question for you that I need you to answer before we go any further. What's that? Do you have ADHD? I have things. But do you have ADHD? Because I'm going to tell you right now that the uh, the very notion of uh, my mind goes, hmm, how many people do graduate from Northwestern every year? The very notion of me not having to answer that question before my brain will let me focus on anything else is laughable. Yes. <laughs> Believe not me, Callie, I can sympathize. <laughs> I am describing a coping mechanism to try to mitigate how much that problem uh, can control you. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's brutal. Like like ADHD brain will kill you on that one because like yeah, as soon as soon as like it starts thinking like here's the one oh I remember what the other one was I had to look up whether it was whether the original host of the X Files was Rod Serling or Rod Sterling because I didn't know if there was a T in it or not uh, and my brain would not let me write another sentence until I looked it up. 
Now, I understand that. But let me tell you the method for getting around the act of looking things up. It will not help your ADHD brain, but it will speed up writing if you can help your ADHD brain. Mm, I see. It's called you type a left bracket and then you type in all caps whatever the fuck it is detail that's supposed to go there. Ah. So if you're describing the story, this is this is something uh, that I remember hearing that the Star Trek writers basically did. Um, the details that people tend to look up are usually not things that are actually plot relevant. They are setting things. They are right. facts about things. They are details that are not actually the pivotal moment. Because for the most part, plot beats are not things that people have to look up. You know what I mean? Yep. So what you do is you just put in brackets and then you put in the question that you would look up later and then you keep going and just leave that there. So if you're describing that someone is fishing, but you can't for the life of you think of what kind of fish there would be there, put, oh, they were fishing for all caps, fish name. Move on. Keep going. Don't Got stop it. for it. Stop oh, okay. for nothing. If you, if you kind of give your brain the the cookie of we hey i've made we, note we of it we will something. go look it up we wrote something we'll look it up later keep going yep. keep going mm -hmm. mm, and i'll i'll give it a go and i'll see if that works for me it's not a perfect method that will absolutely for sure work for everyone it works for me this is why i espouse its virtues mm -hmm. i have a serious issue with focus but yes and if it is a case where the detail in question is supremely plot relevant, which I'm going to be honest with you, I can't off the top of my head think of how that could be. I, I, I cannot was... recall a time when that would have ever been relevant. Yeah, but in the event that it is, again, I recommend just putting down in brackets something related to what it is that you need. And then moving forward as much as you can, because the mm -hmm. whole thing is the shitty draft hypothesis point is that when you have the draft finished, when it's done, when you're past it, it will not be good to read it. It will not be if you show the shitty draft to someone. They will be confused, perhaps offended, <laughs> perhaps at disturbed. It at its complete lack of quality. But that's the point of the shitty draft, because no matter what you do, it won't be worse than that. After that, you will only be improving on that. And as long as you have that framework, as long as you have that skeleton, as long as those bones are there, you can cover that with some actual meat. That's going to be great. Hmm. Fair enough. I, I think you're right. I, I, I think those are all reasonable ways. And I think one thing to highlight, though, is that there's no right or wrong way. Like, these are all tricks and tips that you can utilize, but I think of how I write, and when I finish my first run-through of it, I am ready to show it to someone because I can't... I, I struggle to just type and just and write, and I, I have to, like... As I'm going along, I will literally, like, stop, back up a paragraph, change two lines to make it make more sense for the next thing that's coming, and then keep going. Um, and in that, it's kind of like... It feels like... um. Uh, like brute forcing a password something like that same concept yes we're just gonna barrel through yes very similar to that and now i will say uh for the most part in my personal use i have used these tools and techniques for writing 
short stories to novella length works. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will be employing this when I write the novel and I expect that I will report back to say that I was successful. I, I I would imagine, I think these techniques especially are really good in a novel. I think they're, they're better for long form writing, right? The way I do it is for sure a short story way of writing. Yes. Well, the thing is, I think with a short story, it is possible to come up with that hit of inspiration and then just blast through Mm -hmm. and finish the entire thing in one sitting. But the reality is once you hit 150, 200, 300 page stories, you can't do that anymore. Oh, no. That story will fall out of your RAM. I think when it does, it's gone. Yeah. And I think the number is way lower than that. I think the number is about 20. I was being generous. Yeah. I I, like I say, once I get over about what like when I get up to 15 pages is where I start losing the thread a little bit. I need to like go back and reread some stuff to like make sure I know what I'm doing still. Uh, when I'm over 20, I'm, I'm done. Like, I, like that's, that's as much as I can do without having like more of the story planned out. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's reasonable to me. Um, but yes, honestly, I would be really interested in and excited to see if you ever decide to try to write a much more long form work. Uh, I think if I do, it will be something like what I'm talking about with Rosalind, where the it will take the form of these many different moments that I'm writing for her as short stories, and I will try to organize them into a way that makes a cohesive, longer story that I can then string together. Okay. I think that would be interesting to see. I think that's how I would tackle it, just because I know... The other way it would end up happening is the longest story I have written is one of my D&D campaigns. My current D&D campaign that my players are playing through right now is 92 pages. So for me, that's an insanely long story. I I think most of my short stories go 8 to 12 pages. Um, So for me, yeah, 92 is quite a bit. So that would be the other way I could see like a novel eventually emerging is taking a lot of my writing for like a D&D game and uh, using that as like a skeleton to make a, to write a novel for. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you know what? Uh, if you decide to do that at some point, hit me up. I will. I would be really interested in seeing more about that. Yeah, I definitely will. Now. Um, oh yes. Another thing I was going to say is that in my opinion, when writing long form works, one of another of the big perils that people run into is overthinking in general, like mm-hmm. as a broad category. And I see this a lot lately with things like people being overly obsessed with, uh, I have to fix the grammar now. I have to fix the spelling yeah. now. Um, and that goes into even things like getting beta readers involved, getting sensitivity readers involved with things. And... Listen, sensitivity readers are important. They serve an important purpose. If if there's anyone listening who is not familiar with what a sensitivity reader is, it's essentially um, someone who you would bring in to read when you are writing about a group which you are not a part of, and you want to make sure that what you're making is not a harmful stereotype propagating mess. Um, but this is the thing. Um, 
all of the things that would make your narrative like that are details. They are not the narrative. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't need people to come in to read the narrative. They need to look at the details. And until you have finished the overall skeleton there, you're wasting their and your time getting caught in the weeds, getting in really deep over your head, focused on these minutiae, which will they be important before you get it published? Yes. Will they be important before you sign off and you go, good, I'm finished, I'm done? Yes. But not when you're just beginning. You don't want to run before you can walk. And the whole point, the whole problem is people keep ha making this mistake. They keep making this mistake of not of wanting to do everything all at once way too early. Yeah, I, I think to tail on that, write what's interesting to you and then be critical of it. Yes, absolutely. Because you're right. You can. I it happens to me. I write some things sometimes and then look back and read through it and go. That does not come out the way I want it to. That sounds incredibly insensitive. Uh, yeah. We're going to fix that. Uh, but if I'm sitting here worried about it as I'm writing it, it gets in the way of getting it on paper and getting the story written down. Because, it's, yes, it's very seldom what I say. Is it the overall narrative of the story that is you know, triggering those issues? It yes. is a little detail somewhere or a line of dialogue that doesn't come across the way I want it to, or maybe a character's kind of overall tone as they're portrayed in the scene. And those are all things you can fix later, but just get your writing down and then look at it critically. Yes, exactly. Very well said. Um, and I think that a part of what can contribute to this issue is the second point of this discussion, which is that TV Tropes is poison. Oh my God, it's so true. I hate so, this. If you are blessedly unaware, TV Tropes is a website that invented, to my knowledge, the term tropes. Uh, trope, meaning an aspect of a story, a building block, a piece, a tool in the writer's toolkit. Mm -hmm. Things that consistently show up through narratives, across mediums, etc. TV tropes is poison because it has, in my opinion anyway, grossly contributed to this idea that I see all over the place of people describing a thing as tropey and that in and of itself is a complaint. Uh, by the way, uh, trope is from the mid-16th century. Is it now? It is a, a Latin, uh, via Latin from the Greek tropos, which means a turn, a way, or a trope, as it is. Well, this is, again, another case of uh, I said that so that I could bait you into looking it up Correct. and showing off to everyone how smart you are. <laughs> no, that's how smart Google is. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, all, that, all that made me smart <laughs> is I know the word etymology. I would say... Uh, knowing not to take absolutely everything I say at face value is, in fact, ah, a smart thing. That is true. Now, a story is not tropes. And advertising your story through them, only using tropes, or creating a story only because of tropes, that is where the problem comes in. Because tropes as a concept are very interesting, and they can be useful. Um, if you look at like 
Like, for instance, this is something I find really interesting. If you want to tell a story, if you want to understand more about storytelling, go read the Epic of Gilgamesh. Yes. Because it is the oldest story that we still have that was mm-hmm. written down. And it's the and hero's journey, baby. It's the hero's journey, baby. There are so many things in there that show up forever after yep. that. Yep. And everything. And this is the advice I'm going to give you. If you want to write a story, you are not going to make something that is wholly new because if it was wholly new, it would suck. <laughs> There's a, a great saying that a lot of writers uh, subscribe to, which is that every great story has already been written. Uh, and it's 100% true. Uh, I completely agree, Draku. I think uh, TV tropes is literal poison for a writer's mind. Uh, in yes. so far as people tend to either see the trope and think, I want to use that in my story and then try to build the story around it, which isn't the right way to do it. Well, I shouldn't say it's not the right way to do it. There is no right or wrong way to do it, but that can be a very dangerous way to go about it. Or they try to stay away from all the tropes that they can, not realizing that everything is a trope. There's a billion and one tropes on that website because everything has been done. Every major plot twist you can imagine in your mind, every cool moment you think you've created completely originally for your story, it has been done in a million ways, a million times, and you're not original. But guess what? Your telling of it can be just as entertaining or more entertaining. So this is a key thing that I think a lot of it comes down to at the end of the day. This is a way to think about it that I think will be helpful if you are unconfident in your writing or you're worried that you're ripping things off just because you're just because at the base of it, you are incorporating any tropes at all. Right. Yep. The way I tend to look at it is plagiarism is difficult. Not in that the act of doing it is hard, but like a lot of people are worried. Am I plagiarizing a thing? And if you're actually sitting there thinking that, I don't think you are. Because if you're worried about it, if you're worried about plagiarizing, plagiarism happens intentionally. Mm -hmm. If it's like plagiarism, plagiarism. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, no. When you write a story, you're going to use lines of dialogue. You're going to use character concepts. You're going to use aesthetics and things that you have seen before. But there is a huge difference between uh, I copy pasted the Lord of the Rings into a text document and hit control F and replaced every single character's name with a different name and changed nothing else. Otherwise, that's like that's one thing. But most of the time when people are like worried about that kind of thing or they're worried like well i'm using these tropes it's too generic or something like that Mm -hmm. it's coming from this place where you're like well i recognize something in what i wrote from somewhere else and it's like well yeah of course you did because everything you make is inspired by things that you've seen or you've written or you've read or you've heard Mm -hmm. and this is the this is the danger of tv tropes um but like sorry i was gonna ask a question yeah Mm -hmm. so like since i am your student oh great masters of writing um serena Serena going for some extra credit yes i am um so like do we never use tropes then uh quite the opposite actually 
yeah, mm-hmm. you'll you'll find yourself using tropes a lot. And it's weird to say like just don't think about it. But like, yeah, play to trope. That's totally fine. Guys, Star Wars is just the hidden fortress. Like, I'm sorry if you think Star Wars is some original film. It's based off Kurosawa films. Like, I'm I'm sorry to tell you that. It's it's Kurosawa in space. Uh it's Kurosawa in space plus like, Flash Gordon yeah. plus Westerns plus and like but this is why um this is why Star Wars is not considered a like hard act of plagiarism or anything. It's right. because it's just George Lucas took like 30 things that he really likes and he threw them in a blender and out came Star Wars. Tarantino loved anime growing up and you can see it in mm. all of his movies. Oh, yeah, you can. Like that's that's just we we are influenced by the things we love. And if you want to see this in great example, look at any tabletop game you've ever played or seen. All the players at the table as they sit around, they all play very tropey characters because they're fun and we like them. And they're fun stories that we want to have the chance to be the hero of. Of course we follow these tropes. They're tropes for a reason. Because okay. they're beloved. Okay. Yes. And so what I would say is if uh, if you're going to, like when you have tropes in your story, the thing to think of is view it less as I'm doing this because uh, this story should have this trope or I like this right. trope. Don't do it for that reason. Do it because the story as it is, this concept will work well. Yes. Uh, th- take a, uh, so uh, Rosalind, who I've talked about a couple times now, her character, uh, she is kind of the, she's the big, strong, not always the brightest, but a heart of gold kind of character. She is a hero in training. Uh, her family were all great heroes and now she's trying to live up. And these are all tropes that have been explored a million times. The, the, the kind of punchy hero with a heart of gold. Oh, how original, uh, the, um, uh, she, you know, her parents were famous and now she has to try to live up to that, which also means that she has to eventually explore that maybe her parents weren't so perfect and her, you know, gilded vision of them doesn't actually live up. It's a trope that's been done a bajillion times, but you can still make it your own. You can make it your own telling of the story and talk about it in ways that connect with people on a different level. Uh, last time we did this, I, uh, read from a story on a character of mine named Lucas, who is a trans girl. And uh, I told a whole bunch of tropes about, you know, the coward who eventually finds the courage to be a hero. That's a story that's been done a bajillion times, but I can do it through the lens of a trans girl. Now it's different. And it's my story. Like Mm -hmm. you can use trope extremely effectively because when we talk about trope, all we're actually talking about is audience expectation. You can either play to your audience's expectation of how the trope plays out because they've seen it too, or you can work against the audience's expectation of the trope. And that's all it really is. I I think what it comes down to with storytelling is that storytelling is the difference between a juice and a smoothie. (laughs) I did not not hear juice at first, um, so I was very confused. Oh. But yes, okay. I got you. Yes. Juice and a smoothie. Yes, it. You're right. It is the difference between juice and a smoothie. I love that. Because like, one is a recipe that's the same every time, but when you make a smoothie, you're using different. Like, if I and you both said I'm gonna make a strawberry banana smoothie, they would taste completely different. 
Well, not not necessarily completely, but I'm sure they would taste quite different. Mm-hmm. So you're saying it's more like the body of it, basically, for the story. You're taking a whole bunch of different pieces and putting them together. Mm-hmm. And the way that they come out is going to be unique to you because mm-hmm. you are the one that put it together. Right. And that's why it's worth celebrating. Okay. Like... People buy strawberry banana smoothies because they like strawberry banana smoothies. If you like and the fact that if I make one and you make one, they taste different doesn't mean that either of them is bad. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. So this is the this is the idea, really. Okay. Is what it comes down to. So I got you. Yeah. TV tropes is poison and uh, should be taken off the internet, but at the same time, don't be afraid of trope. Use it. TV tropes can be useful as long as you are viewing it through the lens of identifying things from an academic level instead of trying to take it too seriously. Right. If you're using TV tropes like you use Wikipedia, uh, be careful. Yes. All right. Well, it's the end of our writing lesson. Jiraku, do you have uh, some writing you'd like to share with us? Yes, I do. I, I think have... we're both taking a piece from our D&D or our, from our tabletop, right? Yes. Uh, this is a segment from the ending of a... Th- depending on how you want to measure it, it was either a two-year-long game, a four-year-long game, or a nine-year-long game. Okay. Uh, and this is from the final session of that. It was a Shadowrun game. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of cyberpunky. Futuristic cyberpunk plus magic. Yep. Dragons and shit. Yeah. Dragons and cyborgs and magic and guns. Oh, okay. Guns. I'm sorry. Magic and guns always gets me. Go ahead. Now, now this, the main reason I chose to read this for this is because it uses a writing, uh, it uses a kind of trope, a writing trick that I am very fond of. Um, oh, sorry about that. Mm. Sater Krupp Tactical Response Team 559 is not written of in any official records. The end-all be-all of Lofweer's personal military, they are the tip of the spear in only the most important conflicts the Great Worm embroils himself in. They are his most seasoned troops. They know no fear no hesitation. The mages among them are his most capable. The cybernetically enhanced are fully kitted with delta-grade cybernetics straight from his personal forges. Their weaponry are handmade by Lofweir's most cherished manufacturers, custom jobs to the last. They use nothing but specialized ammunition, loadouts determined on a job-to-job basis. They are most commonly loaded up with death dealer ammunition. They drive top-of-the-line personnel carriers, each better armored than any tank in any other military. They're rumored to be sufficient to overthrow any government Lofweir decides he's tired of. Ten of their vehicles charge forward, and they never stood a chance. Oh. Okay. I love that. So, I mean, it's very... Uh, I love the uh, the development of this group. Now, so you said this was near the end, so... Is this the description of a villainous group or this of is the description heroes? of an antagonist group that was coming to fuck with the hero party who had uh-huh. already had their big transformation sequence happen? Ah, very cool. Very well done. I love that. 
Yes. Uh, the the finale of that game was the party killing two gods and triggering a reset of the timeline. Wow. Okay. Wow. That actually might be kind of what my campaign ends up looking like. Uh, <laughs> my, things are getting kind of intense in my campaign right now. We're about to finish oh, Act 1 tomorrow, actually. Uh, which, by the way, you can check out at twitch.tv slash usually every Wednesday night. Uh, but uh, we'll be doing a special session on Friday of this week. So, uh, And you can check it out on my YouTube channel, which is at YT Escalia. Very exciting. Ooh. Uh, this is mine uh, for the week. Uh, this uh, Last night, we were in a high fa- fantasy setting, and one of uh, my players uh, in their backstory wrote that they had two kids who they left behind when they went to go adventuring. And they were recently reunited with them, uh, having not seen them in 10 years. Uh, their oldest, Cirque, they found out was actually Saria. And uh, she is graduating uh, the College of Arcanum in the School of Transmutation. Uh, and uh, Cirque, uh, sorry, Brox, my character, uh, got to uh, attend the graduation ceremony where they got to give, uh, Saria was giving the graduation speech. So, <clears throat> Saria shakes the Dean's hand before stepping up to the podium. As she speaks, Brux, it is not the voice you heard yesterday. It is a woman's voice, although not perfectly so. It is one she has clearly spent many, many hours practicing and training, and yet one she still has a long way to go on. From a young age, my people know their destiny. They wear it proudly upon their flesh. They know who they will marry. They know what career they will pursue. Where they will go to school, if they will go to school. And many are grateful for it. There is comfort in feeling like you belong. There is comfort in knowing that the life you have been given is one that will be accepted and respected. And the very thought of shunning it and stepping out on the path that is right not for others, but for you, is a terrifying one. I've spent the last five years in Stone's Throw. I've met people from all over Sirene, and as I have, I can't help but feel cheated that I could not meet them sooner. I have seen so many different perspectives, learned so much about others, and in doing so, learned more about myself. And it is in the footsteps of others that I now find the wisdom to decide my own path and the courage to walk it. Wherever I go, I will carry with me the marks I was given when I turned 13. They will forever serve as a reminder that the life I was born into is not who I am. But they will also remind me of how far I've come, serving as my waymark. My people expect Cirque Bruxborn to return home as a graduate of the School of Illusion and to accept my commission in the Roctala Special Forces. But I have had my fill of illusions. Never again will I live a single day of my life as someone else. I am Saria Bruxborn, graduate of the School of Transmutation, and from this day forth I walk my own path and no one else's. I encourage you all to do the same, as too many in this city are being told they have only one path to walk. Too many are being made to believe that the path has already been decided for them. And to those people, I beg you, look around. Learn the perspectives of others and open your minds to possibilities you'd never considered before. In that, may we all find ourselves on the path that is right for us. That That is incredibly powerful. That was Saria's graduation speech. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a fun moment in last night's session. I am speechless. Wow. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, check out my D and D game uh, <laughs> once a week, Whispers in Silence. You'll enjoy it. 
Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's one hell of a glowing. Um, what's the term? Uh, teaser. It's not. It's not a recommendation. Um, it's not a rec. Uh, endorsement. Pitch. Yeah, yeah. Ring pitch. endorsement. There we go. Yes, that. Pitch. There you yeah. go. There we go. Sorry, my my ability to use words kind of evaporated as I was just basking in that. Very oh. well done. Thank you. I enjoyed oh, yeah. that one. So now That's... that we've finished that. I believe it is time to move on to our closing segment. It is. The, episode, the Warriors of Lust kink of the week. Speaking of being praised. Speaking of being praised. Speaking that's, of praise. I, I can't even say that that's the reason I did it. That was just really well done writing. Thank but you. also, it's appropriate because our kink this week is praise kink. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Does so, uh, does anyone else partake? Because I do. I do. <laughs> We're unanimous on this one. <laughs> Listen, Have we been? Yeah. There's ah man. When whenever we go to the gym, our fucking gym teacher has figured out that uh that like my wife and I, if she gives us just the slightest modicum of praise, we will do. We will work so much harder. Is this and, still the hot one? Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> It's literally like she'll just walk by and be like, "At a girl," and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna die!" And then I'll work twice as hard. I'm I'm so deeply amused by the phrasing of, "Is it still the hot one?" Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 punk lesbian gym instructor. Yes, it is. So everyone on the staff partakes. With uh, Callie, yeah, would you be so kind as to describe for our audience specifically? what praise kink is yes yeah, so uh praise kink is a kink that is very common in uh people that have low self-esteem especially but uh uh well, i would that's say that's a great place to start <laughs> no but it, it 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 does tend to well maybe even not uh because a lot of people who i know have low self-esteem actually hate being praised so uh no it's uh something that kind of uh stems at least in my understanding of it and what it stems out for me is uh, out of the subdom relationship, because all of them do come out of the subdom relationship originally, uh, it is uh, the notion of the person that you're with or the person that you're partaking with uh, is in a position of authority to praise you. Uh, they are someone who has the authority to distribute praise upon you. Uh, and uh, when they choose to do so, because they may not always choose to do so, it uh, is one of those things that can uh, can uh, get get the heart going uh it's it's hard i think to describe precisely where it comes from it's like you know how some people can experience asmr and some people cannot yes yes yeah it's i i have to feel like it's like that it's kind of hard to describe it but if you've got it you know very well said okay I'm not I'm I'm resisting the urge to I mean <laughs> feel free to uh contradict or put out other viewpoints of Oh, it. I don't even mean I don't think that. I don't think that, that was Serena knows what's up. So moving on. <laughs> so moving on. Uh -oh. I I have no doubt I'll be listening back in the edit and go, "Oh god damn it." Serena. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. How would you describe the pleasure that you typically derive from praise king? 
That's right. I'm putting you on the spot here. Oh, why am I always... Brat. Yeah, I am. But I do enjoy good praise. Because um, usually... I mean, it just makes me feel... Like most things, it makes, like, makes me feel really good. Like I did something correct, of course. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't being typically bratty. You know what's um, interesting about it is we as well me as a millennial uh millennials and gen zers i would say uh particularly uh, yeah i yeah i don't i don't want to i don't want to guess but uh millennials and gen zers uh, especially uh we we hear it sometimes about the kind of di- the generational difference in uh like cuz we we'll say things like no problem instead of you're welcome and that is a generational difference uh where you know prior generations would expect to be thanked for doing something kind our generation takes it from a stance of uh what you well we should be doing something kind and what you asked of me did not put a inconvenience upon me do not Mm. worry about it it was absolutely of course i did that that's totally fine and it's a it's a generational difference and because of that generational difference i think there are a lot of people in our generation who when we do get praised for something when we are told you did this very well it goes, it satisfies and moves beyond that just baseline expectation of, well, of course I performed well, I am supposed to. That's that's my job. I, I have to perform well. But I apparently performed well enough to not get just a no problem. I got a praise out of it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for being more, what is that, eloquent than I am. <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> it just came to me, so. Oh, well, yes, good. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of just coming. Oh boy. I hate you, Director, because I hear your little chuckle in the like in the back. He's like, got like he's got a weaselly laugh sometimes. <laughs> sometimes he's just like <laughs> just in the back. Yes. He's like he gets he, me. He's got like a do you remember the old Sonic the car uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon? Oh, I gotta be more which specific. One? There's been like, like which uh, one? Yeah, the the one that was on Saturdays that had all the 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 it had like the the, the bunny rabbit. Oh my with, fucking with mm-hmm. the, God, Callie. the legs. The bunny rabbit with the legs. Okay, <laughs> yeah, with the legs. You remember, you remember the Batman cartoon? It was the one with the guy that yeah. dresses like a bat. Oh God, no! It's the one that specifically focused on all the animals and they live in the forest and they're trying okay. to fight the. Okay, machines. there you go. That's more clear. There yeah, you go. Uh, that one. Uh, <laughs> Robotnik's sidekick in that one, <laughs> Snively. <laughs> Sometimes Raku laughs and it's that laugh. <laughs> Which is such a deep cut that like three people get. That's true. But it that's that's my brain though, where I will hear something and go, that sounded like an incredibly obscure thing I remember from twenty years ago. I'm sure someone else will connect that. That's why I'm not there. famous. Somewhere out there, someone did. Yeah, no, one person on this podcast, one person who listens to this podcast, like, oh, my God, she's a genius. One person out there has just now stopped laughing from the first time that you said that. (laughs) (laughs) And I guarantee you they're going to message me in Discord later. Absolutely. That's how that works. Yep. Well, the nice thing about this one is it's real easy to practice both safe and consensually. Yeah, I was about I was sitting here thinking like is that even like a question at that point? I would say this is really refreshing after CNC last time. Oh, <laughs> right? yes, yes. Right. CNC felt like a minefield. 
Yeah, we. This is more like frolicking through the field. Well, the best part is that I can play with you on this one. I couldn't do that on the last one. <laughs> There's no way me. for me. <laughs> There's no way for me in the middle of the of the podcast to just casually throw in a few seconds of CNC. Yeah, that, that's that, not that, how that works. That's, God, no, no. The uh, the word casual. There's two C's in in, in CNC, but neither of them are casual. Correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we'll move on to the final question. Who in Final Fantasy fourteen indulges besides Ishtola? I say Ishtola, but only delivering. Mm-hmm. Do- Correct. She, she doesn't want to be praised. She doesn't. You don't have the authority to praise her. I think Sadu. I don't know why. Delivering or receiving? Receiving. Interesting, because I would say the other way. I think Sadu delivers. Old. Serena receives. I think yeah. Serena is big. Like Serena screams praise kink. Yeah. But like Sadu like might like to like receive it, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Um yeah, I, I can see that. Um uh Are we going Ida? for a typical like Hien and <laughs> I know I know those... the perfect fucking character for this, but I cannot remember her name for once. Oh, well this is a strange scenario. I know isn't it crazy. What does she do? So this is going to be one hell of a deep cut. Oh, boy. Do you remember in the patches for Heaven's Word? I think it's for Heaven's Word. Uh Uh-huh. When you go back to Mordona, it might have been the Realm of Orn patches, and there's that adventurer, Makote, who has no idea what she's doing, and she's way in over her head, and then you show up and save her, and she's like, whoa, you're like so cool. Oh my god, I do know who you're talking about. Uh, wow. Who I yeah. don't believe ever shows up in the entire game ever again after you're like, yeah, go be good adventurer. And she's like, yeah! How did you yeah. think of that person? You don't want to know. No, I. you know what? You're right, I don't. Oh, another one who delivers, Flamine? Yes. Yeah, for sure. She is 100% mommy dom, 100% Runar absolutely crazy. receives. Oh, uh, 100%. Yep, that Look is... Look at that good boy. Oh, that, yeah. That's a fact. Um, Let's see. Uh, Oh, Grahatia. Oh, yes. <laughs> Me. I fucking... Wow. How yeah. did I miss that one? Grahatia yeah. and Serena Mole might be like the prototype for Praise King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. Uh, any other scions? Mm, maybe Tataru. See, I would have bought that from Tataru, like circa a realm reborn. Yeah, but I feel like over time she's hardened up a lot. Yeah, she don't need your praise no more. She's a strong, independent potato. Uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, anybody else? Um, oh, here's a deep cut for you. The uh, the uh, nun in training for the uh, M tribe. Yeah, oh is, my god, who keeps getting blown up by grenades. I only know about him because of y'all. And he's, I saw his quest the other because I've never done it. I saw it the other day. Well, I say, oh god, I say like the other day, but like you know, 
a month or so ago. Yeah. And I was like, I should do these quests. <laughs> he, he's the best. He's such an idiot. Like, I love him. I, I love... He, I feel like, was there, like, workshopping of Grahatia. Like, mm-hmm. where they were like, all right, look, like, we're, we have this character for next expansion, right? We know what he's going to be like. Uh, we know what he was like back in uh, Crystal Tower, but obviously he's going to have to grow and develop from there. Um, we need to practice, and I feel like that's what this character was. It's not Mraz Nun, because that's the actual Nun, I think. Uh... Well, yeah. I would just like to say, uh, in the Warriors of Lust chat on the Lair of the Schedule Discord, uh, people have come in in the past to ask us how we could possibly have forgotten this or that character. Oh, God, and yeah. I would just like to say to all of you, please continue doing that. You were completely right with the last. Oh, yeah. I oh, remember yeah. coming in, seeing the tag, going in and looking and being like, wow, we totally did screw that up. Uh-huh. So keep us honest. Keep on us. Yeah, we are cause... not perfect except for Jiraku. Yeah. That's correct. I'm glad that you know that. Uh, I, have a, I, I have you. a forgetful brain. So like, please remind me. There's a lot of characters in Final Fantasy 14. There are a lot of characters in Final Fantasy 14. Not There's... all of them can be as memorable as that one who I literally forgot their name. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll go ahead and say that. Like, that's a deep cut even by your standards. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. True. Which is funny because she's part of the main story. I mean, she is, but she's part of the... Uh, uh, no, it's part of the Heavensward X point X cycles, isn't it? Man, I, I don't even remember. Actually, I don't know that it is. It might be the Realm Reborn. You know, they might have cut that part now. Yeah, you know what? She might not exist anymore. Okay, then yeah. I'm, I refuse to feel bad for not remembering the name of a character that might not even exist anymore. Okay. Yeah, that that's fair. That is very fair. All right. Well, this has been our show. Um, before we go into the closing segment, I would just like to say, great to be back. Thank you for recording with me. Um, and I had one last thing I wanted to say. Uh, my dear friend, Jester, who I have known for 17 years, is currently on his honeymoon. and he listens to the show i know that he does thank you for listening and i hope you're having a wonderful time my friend oh i love that that's cute congratulations on your nuptials congratulations so (laughs) with no further ado thank you for tuning in and listening everyone thank you so much for being here i love being on this podcast i'm sure all of us do yep I'm yeah. I'm going to speak for you and tell you that you do. That's how that works. Sorry again for the sluggish start this sport or this evening. We uh, but we got there. We I knew we would. I miss yeah. You. Well, you know, sometimes sometimes you have to break off a lot of layers of rust. Sometimes everyone was either in a new exciting job, uh, their honeymoon, or a fugue state playing RimWorld. Correct. Um. Which are all equivalent exactly. mental states. I mean, yeah, they're all pretty close. Yes. Now, uh, Kali, could you please remind the people uh, 
where they can buy our merch. absolutely <laughs> uh you can uh find us on social media at uh, uh on twitter at w-o-l-cast-x-i-v you can uh, find uh, me on twitter at escalia e-s-k-a-l-i-a uh and at twitch.tv slash escalia e-s-k-a-l-i-a and interestingly also the name that you need to know if you're looking for our merch which is at streamlabs.com slash escalia slash merch Thank you very much. I am so glad that you have that memorized because I thought I did. And then I looked at it and my brain went blank. Yep. I got you. Hell yeah. Thank you. Both of you. By the way, um, I am, I am told uh, the warriors of lust hoodie that is on there. We have a couple of them, uh, but there is one that is, if you're worried about, you know, having to wear it out in public, it's just the, uh, just our little logo there. It's not our uh, characters making perverse motions or anything. It's just the little heart logo. Uh, I am told uh, that that hoodie is stupid comfortable. So, could be a wonderful I, Christmas gift. I believe gift. it. Listen, I would not willingly or knowingly put my name or reputation on a product that I did not have every reason to believe <laughs> that I could support. Mood. Big mood. Uh, we have a Patreon also. Did you mention that? I didn't. No, I should have. You uh, do have Patreon. Patreon.com slash Escalia. E-S-K-A-L-I-A. Happy to announce that all funds on the Patreon these days now go towards funding this very show. Uh, so uh, go over. You can support us there. If you support in any way, you get the podcast uh, two days early. You'll get it on Fridays instead of on Sundays. You also get access to our green room episodes uh, where we sit down and chit chat before we kick things off every night, usually 15 to 20 minute episodes. Uh, and it's just us being incredibly stupid. It is possibly the best part of the podcast <laughs> tied with uh, the parts where I'm in charge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, the parts mm -hmm. where Serena's in charge and the parts where Kali's in charge. Mm -hmm. uh, our intros, our opening segments, our discussions, uh, the thirst down. It's 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 tied with all of these things for the best. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah. Exactly. Serena, where can we find you? Yes, where can we find you, Serena? Me? You want to find me? Um, so you can... Hmm. Well, you know what? Where can we find me? <laughs> Where can we find me? Because I've been off the air for a while. So you can find me on Twitter at PurpleGothZayla. Uh, you can also find me on my VTuber Twitter at Kieran Rose, which is K-Y-R-A-N-R-O-Z-E. And also on Twitch, also at Kieran Rose. Um, and where can we find you, Kali? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter, Twitch, uh, both at Escalia, E-S-K-A-L-I-A. -A, and you can find me in the Layer of the Escasuals Discord server, E-S-K-A-S-U-A-L-S uh, -E for Escasuals. Uh, we have a special chat for the Warriors of Lust fans out there. You can come hang out uh, when we new episodes go up and when our Patreon posts go up, you'll find it in there. And of course, you're welcome to hit us up. All three of us are available on that Discord. Uh, you can uh, message either the enemy of innocence, the insatiable one himself, or the temptress of fate. And, of course, if you'd like to get a hold of me, uh, you can't, normally. But you can through the Lair of the Schedules Discord server, because I will see 
and respond, most likely. Mm -hmm. Definitely see, probably respond to anything that you have to say as long as you tag me on it first. And I, of course, also keep up with the Warriors of Lust chat. Um, I am going to be more difficult to get a hold of for the time being, especially the next week or so, as I descend into a frenetic, frantic binge to prepare for writing a novel. Uh, I normally take writing commissions, but I have put those on hold for the time being. And I will be sure to let all of you know when I'm back in business for that. Very nice. Okay. And with that, I believe that's our show. Thank you for coming, everyone. Thank you for listening. Wonderful to have you. Good night. Night, night. Bye-bye. of Lust Podcast is part of the Limit Break Radio Network and created by the support of its listeners, including patrons like Claret Corin, Shira Hartslot, Kara Skiltbrider, Tilly Hart, and Kiona Barakimfwin. Views and opinions expressed in this show are solely those of Callie Page, Serena Hima, and Jiraku Drake, and are in no way affiliated with Square Enix. Opening and closing themes provided by Karai Karomu. Check them out on Twitter at Karai Karomu. If you want to support the Warriors of Lust podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash and make sure to follow us on Twitter at WOLcastXIV.